Welcome to the Woman-Centered Health Podcast. I am Dr. Nicole Lowe, and with me is Dr. Stephanie Edmonds. We are both PhD-prepared nurses and the founders of Woman-Centered Health. Join us as we talk with health professionals and researchers who can help you improve your communication with patients about sexual and reproductive health. Please visit our website to learn more and connect with us on social media by going to www.womancenteredhealth.com. everybody and welcome to the Woman-Centered Health Podcast. Today we're speaking with Megan Ockett, the Program Director for Healthy Birthday Incorporated and Count the Kicks. Count the Kicks is an evidence-based campaign that teaches expecting parents the importance of tracking fetal movement. We thought this campaign and the corresponding app is a great tool for clinicians to know about, so we are excited to speak with Megan about this campaign today. We also wanted to remind our listeners that you can find our newly redesigned show notes on our Patreon page by becoming a patron and supporter of the Woman-Centered Health podcast by going to our website, www.womancenteredhealth.com and click the Support Us Patreon tab. We would love your support to cover our costs of bringing this podcast to you every month. If you're a regular listener, please consider supporting us. So hi, Megan. Thanks so much for being a guest on our podcast today. So we always ask the same two questions at the beginning of our podcast, but could you first share with our listeners a little details about your background? Absolutely. So first, thank you so much, Nicole and Stephanie, for for having me on today. I'm super excited and uh, excited to share more about Count the Kicks with your listeners today. So like Nicole had mentioned, I am the program director with Healthy Birthday. Healthy Birthday is the nonprofit organization that created Count the Kicks, which is a stillbirth prevention campaign. I have been with the organization for about two and a half years. I actually have a background in history and global health. I've been working in public health for around 12 years. Before Count the Kicks, I worked for Iowa Department of Public Health in tobacco prevention and control. My passion has always been around prevention and education and then incorporating systems change. And so really specifically around maternal and child health over the past few years after having my own kiddos. I have three kids. And so I knew about Count the Kicks during my pregnancies. And when a position opened up with the organization, I jumped all over it. And I'm excited uh, that I've been here for two and a half years, like I said. And so, yeah, I love working for this organization that, you know, we work endlessly to try to prevent preventable stillbirths through education and empowerment. You answered this a little bit, but we we always like to ask our guests about what informs your perspective. So in other words, why do you do what you do and what is most valuable to you? Yeah. So I think what we do is is very simple. And what we want to do is we want to save babies, right? We want to save babies from preventable stillbirth. And I think that the stories that we've gathered and heard from across the United States and the world about our baby saves from users who have used our Count the Kicks app um, have contacted us and said, you know, I was using this app. I noticed reduced fetal movement. I spoke up to my provider 
and my baby's here because of it. I think that there's nothing greater than hearing those stories. And we know there's lots more out there. We have close to 100 on our website, these saved stories from families in 24 states and three countries who have written us and said, thank you for helping me have a healthy birthday. And I think some of the stories that really, you know, they all stand out, but like Liam's mom said, where she said, without the knowledge of kick counts, I have no clue what could have happened. And I hate to even think about it. I now have my beautiful baby boy because of this. Or Nala's mom who said, definitely pay attention to count the kicks. Had I not, Nala wouldn't be here. Don't second guess yourself. Don't feel bad or stupid. Don't worry about insurance or the emergency room bill. Go check on your baby because your baby not might be here. Just pay attention. Seriously, it's your baby's life. And I think we all kind of get goosebumps when we hear those quotes from expectant parents and people who have had their babies. And we truly do believe that everyone deserves a healthy birth and empowering expectant parents with the knowledge about the importance of tracking their baby's movements, working with providers on how to talk about the importance of tracking fetal movements, and just working to save babies from preventable stillbirths. Our goal is to save 7,500 babies across the United States from preventable stillbirths. And and that's what we're hoping to, to do together with great people like you all sharing this information on your podcast, the providers listening today. So yeah, that's, that's kind of why, why we do what we do. Okay, so like we said, today we're going to talk about Count the Kicks, so let's jump right in. So Megan, can you first start out by explaining what Count the Kicks is and how it was developed? Yeah, of course. So as a, as we all mentioned earlier, Count the Kicks is a stillbirth prevention campaign, and it was actually founded out of loss. In the early 2000s, five Central Iowa women all endured the heartache of losing a daughter to stillbirth or infant death. They didn't know each other at the time. They got connected through friends and pastors. And as they were connecting and meeting over coffee to grieve and to talk together, they quickly formed a strong bond. And they realized that stillbirth is a lot more common than people think. In fact, here sat five Central Iowa women who all experienced a very similar situation all around the same time period, yet nobody's talking about this. Nobody's talking about how prevalent this is. One in 169 pregnancies ends in stillbirth. And so Jan, Janet, Kate, Carrie, and Tiffin, wonderful, amazing women, they worked hard together. And in 2004, they worked with the Iowa legislature to create Iowa Stillbirth Registry, the most comprehensive stillbirth data collection program in the country. They worked with U.S. Senator Tom Harkin at the time to secure some CDC funds for the project. It was because of this stillbirth registry that a couple of the founders were able to go to a public health conference and talk about this registry. So a couple of years later, in around like 2007, they were at this conference and they presented about the stillbirth registry. And it was at this conference where they heard some research out of Norway, where a public health research study had been done about educating expectant parents on the importance of tracking fetal movement in the third trimester. And among this cohort of expectant parents that were educated on the importance of tracking fetal movement, the stillbirth rate decreased around 30% among this, this cohort. And so the founders heard this and they said, oh my goodness, this, this is amazing. Like we, we can do this. We can bring this information back to Iowa. Great things start here. Let's create a stillbirth prevention campaign focused on educating about the importance of tracking fetal movement in the third trimester. Kick counts, kicks, rolls, jabs, punches. It's easy. It's free. It's reliable. It's non-invasive. Let's do that. And so the founders tell the story so much better, but they were on the plane ride back and a couple of them were scribbling down notes on a, a airplane napkin and saying, you know, this is what we're going to do. And so they came back to Iowa 
they had this wonderful idea. They worked with Iowa Department of Public Health and an awesome marketing company here, Strategic America, and they created what we all know about Count the Kicks, the bright, colorful brochures, the posters, that stillbirth prevention awareness education campaign that we know about today in 2008. And so the next year in 2009 is when they actually created the 501c3 Healthy Birthday, the nonprofit organization. So we're based in Des Moines, but we're a national organization. It's phenomenal. What they really did is they started off with some funds from Iowa Department of Public Health. They got the materials printed and they just, from their basements, mailed, dropped off everything, count the kicks materials to as many providers, OBGYNs, midwives as they could get their hands on in Iowa. And so fast forward in 2015, they created the app and that's how we're here today. We have that Healthy Birthdays, kind of our umbrella organization and count the kicks is that stillbirth prevention campaign in the first decade 10 years of the campaign from 2008 to 2018, Iowa saw a 32% uh, reduction in the number of stillbirths here. And then we saw about a 39% reduction in the number of stillbirths among African-American women. Public health officials have said that there's nothing else going on in Iowa that would have made such an impact on the stillbirth rate like we have. If we were to implement Count the Kicks in all 50 states like we have in Iowa, we would save 7,500 babies, and that's that's our goal. And so we are in 15 other states right now. Fast forward to 2022, hopefully a couple other states on, on the docket. So we're just really excited and so humble and grateful for the founders for truly turning their their loss and grief into passion and inspiring so many others and look at what they they had one goal to save one baby and here we are over a decade later later with a significant decrease in the stillbirth rate close to 100 baby saves that we know about it's it's truly just amazing and wonderful to to work with this organization awesome story and i love that especially you know the evidence based piece being an evidence based practice person at my employer so could you talk a little bit more about that evidence. What are some things that we maybe were doing or currently doing that are outdated as far as counting practices that you've heard pregnant people or even OB-GYNs using? And how is Count the Kicks kind of more evidence-based? Yeah, so I'm assuming a lot of your listeners like research and evidence, and I do too. I've learned to love it as a history major. I love reading. So we we actually have on our website, which I know will be in your notes at the end, but countthekicks.org, we have a whole page titled Evidence. <laughs> so it's all of our research that we've gathered, and we know there's more out there, but it's kind of our, our key findings that, like you said, it's an evidence research-based campaign. So definitely go to why we count slash evidence. But there are a few things that I wanted to kind of note today while we're talking about some of the misconceptions that might be out there and outdated practices, like you had said. You know, you mentioned we are an evidence-based practice and CHIMP, so the Association of Maternal and Child Health Programs National Organization has named us a best practice as well. And they do that through scientific review. They're the leading maternal health association in the United States. They look at meaningful engagement of stakeholders at all levels and how we can replicate how we include equity and inclusiveness in everything that we do. And so AMCHIMP, so that, that has named us the best practice. And there's a couple studies that I'd like to highlight that are on our website, but one titled Simply Fetal Movement stated that due to the low cost and potential benefit, it is recommended as in kick counts. 
decreased fetal movement can indicate a need for more evaluation and has the potential to save lives. And then if we look at that public health research study out of Norway, Dr. Ruth Fretz, who's one of the researchers on that team, and she's also part of our medical advisory board, she stated that tracking fetal movement is a non-invasive way for expectant parents to monitor their baby's health in the third trimester of pregnancy. Babies can be saved when expectant parents are educated on getting to know their baby's normal movement patterns starting at 28 weeks and to speak up if they notice a change. And that's really what we emphasize with our app. And when we talk to expectant parents is it's really, really important to get to know what's normal for your baby because your baby, your pregnancy is different than your friends than your past pregnancies and babies to get to know what's normal for your baby and to speak up if that changes. So some additional studies that you could find on our website talking about I think there's a common practice to talk about 10 and 2, right? 10 10 kicks, 2 hours. It's simple. It's easy to say 10 and 2, right? I think that's why it's so widely used. There's research studies out there that say it's outdated, that 10 and 2 is, and that what research is really saying now is to get to know what's normal for your baby. Speaking up if you notice a significant change is important. And I think the best way to explain that, and this is kind of what the study refers to is, when you put that time limit on it, that's kind of what as humans we focus on. So we focus on, okay, I, let's say I'm counting. I know I normally get 15 minutes. My baby takes about 15 minutes to get to 10 movements. That's how it's been for the last three weeks, 15, 16, 17 movements. And all of a sudden I'm counting and it takes baby an hour and 47 minutes. And I think to myself, because I've heard 10 and 2, 10 and 2 so much, I think to myself, that's totally fine because I got 10 movements within two hours. But that's a significant change. Remember, I was getting my 10 movements in 15, 16 minutes, not an hour and 47 minutes. And so we really want providers, those that are working with maternal health patients and expectant parents to really emphasize the impact of knowing what's normal for your baby. I think it's really important. We obviously have that free app, which I know we'll talk about here in a little bit, but that can really help. It's very visual, gives users that knowledge, that data in their hands. I think another misconception might be the fact that people think only high-risk expectant parents should be counting. And that's that's not true at all. We want every single expectant parent to be counting, every birthing person. We don't just ask potentially high-risk people for gestational diabetes to take the glucose test, right? Like we've all had to take that. And I don't know why it would be any different with this. This is like you heard earlier, it's not invasive, it's low cost, it's easy to do. If you are high risk, the recommendation is to start counting at 26 weeks versus 28 weeks. Otherwise, just be educating all patients that when they hit to the third trimester that they should be counting their baby's movements and and how to do that, right? Like how to how to talk through those movements or pushes and jabs, not those hiccups because those are involuntary. So if you don't mind, I'd also like to talk about two more quick misconceptions and think that I, I think would be good for the listeners. And this is one that we hear a lot about, and it's expectant parents thinking that baby's not moving, so I need to drink juice or eat sugary foods to get baby to move. And research has really moved away from that idea that sugary drinks and the like are a good way to get baby to move. Kick counts we know are best monitored without interventions like juice and candy, because if you think about it, if baby's not moving like normal, when you normally count daily, right around the same time, and baby's not moving normal, 
why would we want to push baby to move? It's like when you and I are sick, we just want to lay down on the couch. We don't want to do a lot. Same thing with baby in utero. Baby's not feeling good for whatever reason that is. We're not going to try and force baby to move. Something's going on. We should go get checked out. So yeah, we just, we really believe that. And research shows that if baby's not moving normal, parents should speak up to their provider right away. And then I I think this is a a big one maybe for providers that may be listening to is that fetal movement monitoring is just going to increase anxiety in their patients. And I think that this is one to talk about and absolutely let me know if you have questions. We have research on this. In fact, that complete opposite happens because when you have educated expectant parents knowledgeable on how to track their baby's movements, they are actually less anxious. It's reassuring to expectant parents we there's studies out there. We have done our own study as well with Des Moines University and the Harkin Institute. Uh, we researched our own app users, found that 84% of app users stated that regular tracking was associated with feelings of bonding, and 77% of app users reported feeling less anxious. The, the researchers also stated that using mobile health app to empower mothers to monitor their baby's fetal movement And that preliminary research shows that the mobile health app increased awareness of a change in fetal movement and a reduction in stillbirth. And so it's a way to bond and it it gives them data in their hands, knowledgeable. So I really think there's definitely no reason why we shouldn't be talking to expectant parents about this. Thank you for addressing all of those. So it's been a while since I was in practice, but I used to be an OB gen triage nurse and so i got a lot of calls from patients who were pregnant and felt like yeah, they didn't notice as much movement or they didn't notice any movement and we would always tell them the tenant to drink something sugary and it really was treated like that at the time and like oh baby moved 10 times you're fine great and like I said, it's been a while since I was in practice. So things have definitely been updated since then. Not necessarily that I've kept track of it. But I remember when I first encountered you, I had heard about Count the Kicks before in my own OB, you know, when I was pregnant and didn't because of my prior knowledge of like, oh, it's 10 and 2. Like, I don't need this app. I'll just call if I notice something different. And then when I finally heard you spoke about it, it was like an aha moment, like, oh, I didn't, you know, even when my provider kind of told me like, oh, you should try this app, I really didn't get why. So I really appreciate you speaking to some of those misconceptions, especially that one about anxiety, because I think that is something that might kind of quickly come near head like, oh my gosh, my baby's not moving as much and I'm going to call the doctor all the time and we're busy and we don't want people to be anxious either. So thanks for pointing that out. So Megan, you had previously talked about how they printed out these materials and dropped them off all over the place. And so obviously your campaigning has probably evolved uh, since that. But you had previously talked on, a, on the phone with us about the inclusivity work that Count the Kicks is doing. Can you tell our listeners more about, more details about that work and how the campaign is really trying to be inclusive? Yeah, of course. So 
at Count the Kicks, we're striving to get to that point where race is no longer a predictor of stillbirth. I mentioned this earlier that one in 169 pregnancies ends in stillbirth, but for African-American women, the rate is significantly more. It's one in 96. Black women are two times, two times more likely to experience a stillbirth over their white counterparts. And this is completely unacceptable. Additionally, indigenous women are also, also have higher stillbirth rates. And so, like I said, we, we are really working hard to make sure that we get to that point where race is no longer a predictor of stillbirth. We have a health equity coordinator on staff. We're always looking for funding opportunities to reduce the racial disparities that persist. We are an inclusive organization. We are including our board. Our staff are trained on anti-oppression and structural racism. We are improving our programming constantly based on lived experiences of women of color, working within marginalized communities, listening, elevating voices of color. We have our app in 12 languages, trying to be as inclusive uh, in that regards, we're going to be adding two additional languages here in 2022 as well. We have the culturally appropriate materials. We have videos and printed educational materials and FAQs in multiple languages. And so I think making sure that we include all of those inclusive pieces in all that we do, making sure we have representation in various things that our websites, our materials is really important to us as well. And so we, we value working with partners that also align with us in that regards as well, because we know that we're going to get to that, that point where race is no longer a predictor of stillbirth together when we, we look at the systems and work together to break down those, those barriers. I love that. Okay, so let's get into the nitty gritty of the app. Then. <laughs> so can you tell our listeners how patients use this app or, you know, kind of explain what it looks like? Yeah, my favorite part, right? I work on the app. I work with our wonderful app developers. We we listen to our users and, and we've created this awesome evidence-based tool that can help parents track their baby's movements. And so all you need to do if you're listening today, you're going to be multitasking. I want you to go into your app store right now as you're listening on your phone. You can do it even while you're listening. Go into your app store, whether it's the Google Play Store or the Apple Store search, count the kicks and download it. It's completely free. And I want you to do that because I want you to see how easy it is. I want you to see how user friendly and colorful and, and, and great it is. And so that you can go to your patients and you can say, look at this app I just downloaded. Like this is super simple. You should be doing this daily. So when you get, go to download the app, you can start counting right away. You can set up a pregnancy profile um, right away. You know what your due date is. You just put baby name in there. It could just be like baby due July, it could be your baby's names, baby A, whatever you want to name it. And then go ahead and start counting, you know, pick that time where you think baby's usually most active, you tap this button that says start counting. And every time you feel a movement, you tap this little footprint, feel it's colorful. When you start when you tap the footprint to begin with, a timer will start. And so every time you feel a movement during that session, you tap the footprint. Do that until you get to 10. And then you will be asked to rate the strength of your baby's movements. This is a newer feature that we added just in July of 2021. Research indicates and shows that not only should we be paying attention to the movements, but also the strength in those movements. And so users, after they count, they'll have an option to fill out their little feet, one through five, and they can color them in. Basically, they tap to color them in about how strong baby's been moving. They fill out one footprint that's that's light, that's fluttery, 
all the way to five footprints that would be like fierce. So those movements you would see on the outside a lot of times. And so they can fill that out. And then they, then they can also put notes in, in that section. They can say, oh, I was gardening all day or I was shoveling or I ate spicy food. It's kind of like their mini diary. It's things that they might want to remember when they're talking to their provider the next time they see them, when they download a report just whatever they want to share there. So then after they hit finish counting, they get a really easy to understand visual chart. And this chart, after a couple of sessions, will start to show baby's average time it takes to get to 10 movements. And then it will also show them the strength of the movement. So you'll be able to see in a line graph and a bar chart very visually how baby's moving, what my baby's normal movement time is. It says it there like, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever your average is, the app automatically does that for you. And so, like I said, super simple to, simple to use. I would recommend when you're talking to patients, especially setting up the first time, have them in the waiting room, if, especially we talked about that glucose test, right? I remember having to take that in the office, chug that wonderful liquid we all love and sit there for like an hour for my blood work. And then I had my appointment. So what an awesome opportunity to say, hey, while you sit there, playing around on your phone, go ahead and download this app and we'll talk about it when you come back here for your 15 minute appointment. And so really work with your patients to set those reminders, encourage them to set those reminders. We are busy people. We are a busy society. And I feel like the pandemic has <laughs> exacerbated that. Like who thought having to stay home and online schools and everything would make us even busier, but it has. It's it's. I think it's just a mixture of like we can go from Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting to I have my child next to me working and now they're back in school and it's just there's a lot to remember like there's a lot going on and so it's really important to set those reminders because like I said we want expected parents to count daily preferably around the same time and the app will do that for you it will will send you those notifications those fun little checkpoints that say hey time to start counting and count don't forget to count your little kicker you know stuff like that so it's engaging that's that's really one of my favorite features i also love that again it's in 12 languages amharic arabic chinese english french haitian creole hindi marshallese russian spanish swahili and vietnamese and we are translating it. It'll be here out in the next month or so into Burmese and Dari. So yeah, we have that. It's now available on the Apple smartwatch. So you can be counting, let's say I'm in bed and I'm eight months pregnant and my watch went off notifying me it was time to start counting. And my phone is clear over on the coffee table or side table or whatever. And I'm eight months pregnant and I don't want to move. <laughs> so I can just count on my watch and it will automatically sync to the app. I really like this one too. Users can restart their session or delete a kick. And the reason I like that is because I think back to we're busy and a lot's going on. And even though we have this time of day where we're sitting down and we're bonding and, you know, we, we're focusing on baby and maybe we include big brothers and sisters and say, come, come feel baby, you know, move. And, but let's say right now I'm potty training my three-year-old, right? And it's really the worst. I hate potty training. It's like the worst developmental milestone for me. But I think like, gosh, if I was pregnant right now and my trying to count kicks and my potty training three-year-old ran over with this little potty dance, I'd have to stop counting and run run him to the bathroom. And so we get it. Life happens. And so having that option to restart my session because I had to get him to the bathroom or he comes, runs over and they're surprisingly quick three-year-olds are. And they tap my foot, my little footprint on my phone and add a bunch of movements I didn't count for. And so, 
you can delete a kick if you accidentally get a little too tap happy or your toddler does or, or whatever. You can review kick counting history. And this is the part that I think is really most beneficial for providers and anybody listening today that's working with expectant parents is the fact that we can help bridge that communication there with the fact that we can, you can download all your sessions and they can upload them to like a MyChart or to the provider to say, hey, here's here's my baby's kick sessions. Take a look. I'd like to talk about this next session. They can also send it to family or friends via email or text. And so there's just a lot of cool features like that that are really help bridging that that connection between provider and patient. I know with appointments that maybe have gone telehealth a lot of times during the pandemic. And so making sure that we still have that line of communication open that we're talking about, you should still be doing this. You should still be counting your baby's movements. You can manage multiple devices. So you could be counting on your iPad and then your iPhone or significant others, family members, they can log in and see how baby's moving. It's a way to engage others in, in your pregnancy. So so that is really the, the nitty gritty of, of the app. Like you said, it's it's super simple. I, I know people multitask, so I hope you all downloaded the app right now to to, to take a, a look at it. But yeah, it's it's great. I love it. So you talked a little bit. I really like that idea of like you're do, you're there, mm-hmm. the patients there doing their glucose challenge tests, and download this app and look at it. Kind of gives you something to do to keep your mind off that lovely feeling that that sugary drink gives that you. Sugary <laughs> rush, that sugary rush. Yeah, yeah it's like. <laughs> but do you have any other recommendations for how providers talk about fetal movement and using Count the Kicks program? And specifically, how providers can talk about counting kicks in an empowering way rather than like making patients scared? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, a, I think a variety of things around this. I think that we, like I said, I've had three, luckily had three beautiful, wonderful pregnancies, labors and deliveries. And we talk to expected parents about all types of things during pregnancy. We do all types of tests. We do blood work, everything. And stillbirth and stillbirth prevention is something that we should also be talking about. It is not something to glaze over. It is not something to treat like we're all delicate flowers because we're not. We're strong, right? Like we're we're empowered. We can do this. We can hear this. And so I think we talk about it like we talk about anything else going on in pregnancy and, and tests and things like that. Again, if they're 26 weeks, it's high, you know, they're high risk. That's when we want to start talking about fetal movement at 28 weeks otherwise. And I think really using those open-ended questions. I think back to my motivational interviewing conferences and classes I took and using questions like, tell me what you know about baby kicks or let's talk about this together. Here's this brochure, read it. What questions do you have? So, or like, how would you describe your baby's movement patterns? Having those open-ended questions starts that conversation versus just, have you felt baby move? Yes or no? Yes, you move on. That's what we don't want to happen, right? We want to we want to have a little bit more, it's two to three minutes conversation. It, does, it should not take a long time, but it can make a world of difference. When we have providers, nurses, OBGYNs, midwives, doulas sit there and say, I want to hear from you. Like if you find, if you, if you notice something wrong or, you know, you feel like something's off, call me. Having that direct eye contact, that passionate, that empathetic view, I think will, we have been told even by those who have experienced loss and have had their rainbow babies and said, you know, how, 
how was it different? And they said, it makes such a big impact when I have a nurse tap my shoulder and say, I want to hear from you. Like, let me know if you have questions, concerns. I don't care what time, day, night it is. Same for providers, making sure that you, your patient knows who to call and and when to call or like where to call. Because I know sometimes there's those after hours numbers and things like that. So, and then if they feel, you know, they need to go into labor and delivery triage. I went three times with my daughter to triage, three times. So the app came out in 2015, which is when she was born. So I kind of missed that cut. Off. I just knew I was supposed to be counting. I didn't know too much as why yet. Saw the brochures, knew it was important. And she would get 10 movements in like 30 or 40 minutes. It was, it took forever for her. I remember calling. So I went in, got everything checked out. Everything was fine. Luckily, of course, she's, I just always thought, I'm like, gosh, maybe she's just like super chill baby in utero. And now she's this feisty, spirited six year old that doesn't stop moving. And so I think it's just really important to know, again, back to your baby's normal. Like I needed to understand her normal was 30, 30, 40 minutes. My two sons were speed demons. They would get their 10 movements in five minutes or less. And so, and then making sure you're asking at every single appointment in the third trimester. I know it might seem redundant, but it's so important, especially because we see so many different providers during this time, right? Because we never know who is going to deliver us. I know some who maybe are in rural areas or family care physicians, you might be the same person or doulas. But I think no matter what, if you, whether you see them every single week in the third trimester, every two weeks, you're always asking about it. And you're always saying, you know, show me the chart. Like, I want to see it. Like, I want to, I want to talk about this. Training your entire team. We have an online CE training. We have videos. We have Lots of different great resources out there for providers to access of how they can talk about this and how they can implement this into their office. So, yeah, I think it's just as simple as tell me about your baby's movements. Let's talk about this. Yeah, a lot of what you're saying is really resonating as a pregnant person who's going to be 28 weeks uh, soon. And then also this is baby after two miscarriages. And so Mm -hmm. anxiety is real, right? Like my Mm -hmm. first two kiddos... I was super chill. I worked labor and delivery. I was like, whatevs. And this kid, ooh, man, anxiety, everything, it, it's, it can be really crippling. And so, mm-hmm. and I know even, obviously, I've been feeling movements for a while, especially because I'm old and I have no muscles left. So, like, <laughs> been feeling movements. But, yeah, you do get panicked. You're like, oh, they're, they're not moving. And it's like, nope, it's... There's, mm-hmm. it's not going to move 24-7. Um, so I think having yeah. tools like this, because I'm like, okay, well, I'm coming right up on that time where I need, personally need mm-hmm. to download the app and, and do it myself, would definitely yeah. be empowering because so much of this process does seem out of your hands or like there can be so much that goes wrong or you do feel mm-hmm. powerless about. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. But anyways, so resonating on lots of levels. So let's say on the flip side, I'm a patient using the app and I'm concerned about decrease in fetal movement. So I call my OB clinician or the hospital. How should clinicians address me or a patient who has concerns about fetal movements? Well, first I'd say congrats on your baby, 28 weeks. That's very exciting and rainbow baby. I give you all the baby love and sprinkles and everything. That's, that's very exciting. And yeah, download the app. You'll, you'll use it. And I, I totally agree with you where it, you know, and we get this from our users too, where they say just, it gave me that peace of mind. It gave me that, 
visualization, you know, that visual, that data in my hands. And that's why we say, and research has shown that it doesn't cause that anxiety. In fact, you have now people who are anxious, but they feel calmer because they can say, okay, I got my 10 movements. I got my daily movement count, things like that. So I, I agree with you, Nicole. I'm very happy for you and your baby. I can't remember. Did you find out the gender? Are we not announcing that on here? Uh, no. Well, we don't know either. So no one, oh, no one will know. Yes. Until, okay. until birth. Oh, so that's awesome. Stay tuned. <laughs> that's awesome. I had two surprises and one known and I, Never, I'm type A, I would never thought I liked the surprise and I loved it. It was amazing. So very exciting. So to answer your question, if a patient's using the app and they are concerned about decreased fetal movement, they call their clinic, you know, whatever number they, they were given. I think that first, what we want to make sure happens is that they talk to somebody. They don't leave a voicemail. They don't get sent back to leave a voicemail, you know, or things like that. We want to be talking to a real live human, a nurse, an OB provider, family physician, a midwife to really ensure their concerns are being addressed. And the clinic should really follow their protocol of what they would do with any reduced fetal movement, right? I'm sure, you know, I'm not a medical provider, but I'm assuming that it's they come in, they do additional, the NFTs, they might need to do biophysical, whatever, whatever that protocol is for that clinic is what they should follow. And they should be seen if they notice reduced fetal movement. I mean, that's just a given. I think that one thing to know is that we wouldn't want patients just to come in to have a listen with a Doppler. We know that, and you all know this, and providers listening know this, that heart rate is one of the last things to change when baby's in distress, whereas that decrease in movement is one of the first. So making sure we do those NSTs and, and all those medical things that you're supposed to do is really what, what should be followed. I think it's also really important as a provider to listen to their patient, right? Like to actually say, I hear you. I understand what you're feeling. Like, let's, let's get this checked out to make sure you're feeling okay. And that goes back to making sure we're feeling empowered and and having that provider sit there and say, I want to hear from you. Like, I don't care if it's 1am. I once had somebody tell me, oh, you don't tell them to call if it's 1am, do you? I'm like, absolutely, I do. If that expectant parent has a concern, whether it's bleeding, contractions, pain, no movement, less movement, they should call whenever they need to. That's that's why you guys are there. That's why you're so wonderful because you're helping bring life into the world. So absolutely, they should call. If they can't get a hold of anybody, they can go to the ER. And I think one thing to reassure patients is that I think, especially in a time of a pandemic, that they're going to have to sit in an e- ED ER for hours and hours. But really, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, for those of you who've been labor and delivery, they should go up to triage right away. If they're there because of their baby, because of whatever, reduced fetal movement, they should get sent up to labor and delivery triage. They should not have to wait in the ED. And that's something that patients could feel empowered to say if they walk in and they get told they have to wait. I'd say, no, I, I am pregnant. I am feeling this. I need to be sent up to labor and delivery. So it's, it's not only empowering the patient, but also empowering providers to talk to their patients about this, to being transparent and upfront and saying this. So, yeah, I think that's a long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> All right, so now we have listeners who maybe they want to go ahead and implement Count the Kicks campaign in their clinic or their organization. So how can administrators or clinicians go about getting started? So I think I had mentioned earlier, one of the things I love doing is systems level change. I love finding ways 
how we can integrate this easily. So you don't have to think, oh my gosh, this is just going to be one more thing I'm going to have to do. It's going to, it's not, it's super simple. It's super easy. There's a lot of different ways you can integrate it into your EMRs. You can integrate it in, you know, your epics. You can do after visit summaries at triage. Triage should be talking about this. Triage should have posters, the brochures. Like I said, I went to triage three times with my daughter. I, I should be given notes after visit because I got checked out. Everything's fine. I should be getting clear instructions of how to track fetal movement, count the kicks, et cetera. We have sample gold standard that we worked with Mary Greeley there in Ames. And so I think that we have a lot of great resources on our website. You can contact me. We have an online CE training that you can get 1.5 CEs to go through, go through the data, the research. You get to read the public health research study. So all of you listening that are love research and journals, you get to read it. It's part of the CE training. It's actually really short, but it's really important and really effective. So I think that there's a lot of great resources. Like I said, the online CE training, we have a provider academy. First though, start ordering the materials. Go to our website and click on order materials. We have, with our partnerships in 15 states, you can order for free. In all the other states, it's very low cost. It's not a huge barrier to, it's not a barrier at all to order these materials. And it's so important to do. You actually answered one of my questions. I was going to ask what the cost was. Or I've seen the posters in, in my OB's office. So if folks wanted those posters, I was going to ask how they cost. How do they get those? So, Yeah, so we have the brochures in English and Spanish. We have a how-to poster that has like steps one through two, four, where you could place those in like the um, restrooms and the waiting rooms and the patient rooms. We also have promo posters. We even have libraries ordering these like because you can put them up anywhere and people are going to notice them. They're bright and colorful. App reminder cards all in English and Spanish. If you live in Iowa, North Dakota, Nebraska, Illinois, Ohio, West Virginia, Indiana, Florida, South Carolina, Alabama, Nevada, Missouri, Kansas, Georgia, and soon Arizona, you can order all the materials for free. And then, like I said, the other states, absolutely low cost. In my trainings that I do and talks, I always say, designate somebody to order these, like have somebody who's always going to stay on top of that to order. Obviously the brochures and app reminder cards will go quickly because people are going to take those. I remember checking out of my appointments and setting up my time for the next appointment. Could that individual hand a brochure and say, they know what they're always like, Oh, 28 weeks next time, (laughs) you know, like they keep tabs on that. They have it right there. So why couldn't they hand out a brochure being creative and that, like I said, the library, chambers of commerce, especially if you live in a rural community, making sure that all of your community-based organizations have this information. I always have a small stash in my car because I drive around and I'm like, I'm going to put these on the daycare table when I step out. So there's just a lot of variety of ways, but yeah, there's, it's super simple. Just go to our website and check it out. So the states that you listed, if uh, somebody's listening and they don't provide care in one of those states. How can they get their state into this program to get free stuff? Yeah, there's just a lot of different ways they could do that. We partner with either like state health departments, maternal health divisions, like in public health or perinatal care collaborative. Uh, Femurs have worked with us and contracted with us to get. And then, you know, we co-brand the materials and do the education, the training, the webinars, social media is a good, you know, part of it too. So I would say just reaching out to me. I think that's an awesome question, Stephanie, that if you want this in your state and it's not already there, of course you can order it, absolutely still order it, but then reach out to me and we'll get in touch with the health department and say, hey, 
here are individuals that want this and need this and we're reaching out because we want to see if we can bring it for free so it does remove that cost barrier but yeah it's a great question and how do folks find you they can go to our website, countthekicks.org, all one word. They can also email me directly at, I don't know if you're going to post this in your after show notes, but just aucutt, A-U-C-U-T-T dot Megan at healthybirthday.org. So that's part of my role is working with state partners and grants and things like that. So happy to talk to anybody. And I'm happy to talk to anybody about implementing into their system. Like I will, I will help you through that. <laughs> Super simple. And what other resources would you recommend for clinicians who are wanting to learn more about Count the Kicks? I know you've mentioned quite a few, but if you have any yeah. additional ones, please share. Yeah, I think that our biggest one is obviously our website and we have a whole provider tab. So if you go to our website, countthekicks.org, and you click on providers, there's like a provider academy that will give them digital tools and a suite of resources. We also have paper charts. You work with individuals where they have Wi-Fi issues or they don't have smartphones and they want paper charts. We have those as well. So I think our website's going to be their best bet. And then you can also find our online CE training that way as well. And then of course the apps, but they already downloaded it listening. So <laughs> that's going to help. <laughs> yes, they did. Right. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So I'm just going to wrap us up then. So Megan, I would personally like to thank you so much for your time and your commitment to advancing sexual and reproductive health through communication. Do you have any last thoughts you would like to add before we end? Yeah, I just, I think I, you know, I just want to say thank you both for having this amazing platform, this way to share this important information. I'm so thankful for you and all the providers out there who are working so hard to get babies here safely, being on the front lines of this pandemic and working hard to keep patients safe. It, it, I just want them to know and everybody listening to know that it, it truly does not go unnoticed. We thank you all for your tireless work and know that we can help. Count the Kicks can help with that. We can help with that communication regarding the health of baby and mom or expectant parent. We know that stillbirth and maternal mortality is intrinsically connected. So we want healthy moms too, healthy parents too. So making sure we, we have that all getting that data into the hands of the patient, sharing this is, is truly very important. We're really grateful for all the great partnerships we have with our health systems, the providers, the doulas, the midwives, the community-based organizations. And I think that's truly what's the most important is that we're working together and we're better together and that together we will save babies from preventable stillbirth and we'll get to that 7,500 goal of ours and hopefully more like that's that's our ultimate dream right so thank you again for this this opportunity and I hope you all go to our website and order the materials and and feel free to reach out if you have any questions yes thank you so much Megan thank you so much and as always, we hope that you enjoyed another episode of the Woman-Centered Health Podcast. We are always looking for new supporters, sponsors, and guests. So if you'd like to be on our show or know someone who you think would be perfect, let us know. You can find more information on how to support us and contact us on our website at www.womancenteredhealth.com. <laughs>